Around the world, religion is considered an essential facet of society that people look to in times of crisis. My name is Soham Gavande on the Anthro Analyst podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the intersection of anthropology and public health as we look at how these relevant aspects of culture have affected and been affected by our response to the coronavirus pandemic. Before we begin, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Soham, and I'm a high schooler in Central Texas. I'm passionate about public health, and I'm a strong believer in the idea that the health and well-being of a society are deeply interconnected with one another. Health and well-being are influenced by societal factors such as culture, demographics, and geography, collectively known as the social determinants of public health. We often hear about what's on the front line of the pandemic response, but unfortunately, some of these other aspects I mentioned can be overlooked. And on the Anthro Analyst podcast, as teenagers, we believe that we can provide a fresh perspective on the issues surrounding us. Today, I've brought my friend Durje on the podcast. Durje is avidly interested in psychology and political science. Do you want to introduce yourself, Durje? Hi, I'm Durje, and I'm also a high schooler in Central Texas. I'm happy to be here to discuss these prevalent issues. I also run a blog called edpsych.weekly on Instagram, in which I discuss some more aspects of our society. Thanks. A quick disclaimer before we begin, especially in today's political climate, religion can be a controversial topic, so I do want to emphasize that the purpose of this podcast is not to endorse any group, but rather simply to analyze our society's culture from an objective perspective in order to gain a deeper understanding of how we can improve our response to the coronavirus pandemic and better respond to similar issues in the future. That's right. We're impartial and just trying to observe and analyze societal matters. One more thing, we're recording this podcast on Easter Sunday, so happy Easter to all of our listeners who celebrated. So, without further ado, let's get started. The current death toll is 110,000 deaths and almost 1.8 million confirmed cases globally. Mm -hmm. It's quite unfortunate that so many people have gotten sick and many have died. Let's start by talking about religion and, on a broader level, culture. Many religions have a supernatural spirit, or a god, in who people can place their faith when they face these troubling times. And especially due to the nature of this pandemic, many are deeply disturbed by the lives lost and the trauma they face. Durje, can you tell me what you think about this? I think that's an interesting point, Sohan, because coronavirus is a a once-in-a-century type disease. And as a result, for many people, like myself, this is the first life-threatening event in which oneself, their family, and their communities are all in danger at the same time. I think that's why people are so scared. Because it's our first time facing something like this, we quite frankly aren't well equipped. Like you mentioned, in many devout communities, people are praying to their god to help them make it through this era. That's right. And one example of a community I can think of with numerous devout members is Iran. Let's talk about the current state of the coronavirus in this country, and which factors affect the public health situation there. As we know, Durje, Iran has the ninth highest reported cases of coronavirus in the international community. Why is this so? Well, a major factor is that in many rural parts of the country, there just isn't adequate sanitation and infrastructure, which has led to a high poverty rate for many families. And as you mentioned, it's one of the most devout countries in the world, and a recent poll found that 87% of Iranians pray every day, overwhelmingly in the name of the state religion, Shia Islam. 
Wow, 87% is really quite religious. I can't imagine something like that in the United States, since our society is very secular and very culturally diverse. Since you brought up the quality of life, I'd like to touch briefly on that. So, I think the lack of education and high poverty rates could also be connected to the lack of awareness about coronavirus in rural areas, because it's easy for rumors to spread about an unknown disease when you've heard so little about it in your local community and when there may not be any professional doctors or public health professionals there to help and guide your community through the pandemic. Definitely. I think I read a recent study that showed that education levels and coronavirus awareness are highly correlated which is in line with many other studies of a similar nature. And although this developing status of Iran likely played a role in its current status as an epicenter, I also believe that it's imperative that we discuss the political and resultingly governmental side of things as well. Have you heard that the Iranian health minister recently tested positive for coronavirus? Yeah, I recently read about that on the news, and I thought that was quite an interesting development because he played a vital role in the downplaying of the very disease that impeded their response, at least according to my sources. Mm-hmm. And while this is quite ironic, it's also emblematic of a larger retribution that the Iranian government and unfortunately the Iranian people faced for what's widely viewed as the Ayatollah's failed response. Uh, most prominent in this failure was a lack of regulating any travel stemming from China. And while many officials or supporters of the government defend the action by defining their largely diplomatic relationship with China, Iran actually did less to limit this travel than tourist-dependent nations like Turkey. And furthermore, recent developments regarding the nuclear deal and the consequential parliamentary elections that were taking place at the time furthers the neglect being shown towards the oncoming crisis. Thanks, Deirdre. Now, we'll be talking about Italy. The major religion in Italy is Roman Catholicism, and about 80% of the population is Christian. How has coronavirus affected the religious practices of Italians? Well, as of today, Italy has gone for six weeks without in-person mass, and some regions have moved to online masses. That's a good point you bring up. For example, the papal mass on Easter Sunday is taking place online. And to me, this is tremendously good news to hear because although religion does and should play an important role in people's lives, it's equally as important to take scientific and medical precautions against COVID-19. So to me, this is a great step in the right direction because we're able to kind of enjoy the best of both worlds. We are still able to hold a papal mass for Christians, and we are able to maintain distance from each other because this is done virtually. So there's virtually zero risk of getting sick for people involved. While I agree that it is a step in the right direction, these restrictions weren't always in place, and religious gatherings were actually part of the reason why the virus spread so rapidly in Italy and many other epicenters across the globe. Mm, that's right, Derje. To elaborate a little bit more on what Derje is saying, despite the national lockdown, the Diocese of Rome pushed back against an order to put close all churches, and this was because Pope Francis felt that Italy was having an overreaction. Although hundreds of churches did end up closing anyway, which I think is for the better. Mm-hmm. And during the last few weeks, as the virus hit its apex in Italy, which occurred, as you likely know, in late March, the news media documented the situation pretty extensively. Although it's decreased now, the number of cases reached upwards of 140,000, and the deaths reached nearly 18,000. To put that in context, the United States has over 500,000 cases, but it just recently passed Italy in the number of deaths. And what this means is that Italy had a much greater mortality rate than the US did. So because Italy had roughly the same number of deaths, but only 140,000 cases, 
that means that Italy had a much greater mortality rate. So let's talk about some of the reasons why Italy was so hard hit by the coronavirus. The first reason that I can think of is demographics. The country had the second oldest population on earth, and its young often mingle with their elderly loved ones. In Italy, the 23% of the population is above the age of 65, whereas in the United States, that same percentage is a mere 16%. And while that age demographic largely played a huge role, I think another dimension was that Italy just wasn't able to flatten the curve, and as a result, their healthcare system was overloaded with cases that they just weren't prepared to take in. This was responsible likely for the high fatality rate that was very publicized, which rose to nearly 10%, and even above that in some cities in northern Italy. Mm-hmm. It's quite tragic that so many people were victims of this pandemic. What's even more disheartening in my mind is that the people who got sick from attending large religious gatherings, like you mentioned, may have been particularly affected in a very negative way since the very reason they affected they attended these gatherings was to pray for their well-being and that of their society. But actually, they got sick as a result of their prayers. So I thought that was particularly negative and uh, a little bit ironic. I see what you're saying. That's an interesting point, Soam. Now let's talk about the situation in South Korea. Yeah, going back to religion, it's been found that over half of South Korea's cases can be traced back to a meeting of the Shincheonji Church of Jesus. My apologies if I mispronounced that. Mm -hmm. It's also true that hundreds of Muslims who attended a mosque service and one rector of an Episcopalian church also contracted the virus. This larger religious meeting spread has led to the limiting of public worship in a similar fashion to what we discussed previously regarding Italy. Staying on that topic, let's also talk about the situation in India, which is a Hindu-majority country. Durjay, both of our families are from India, so I think we can offer some particular insight into what's been going on. As Hindus, we believe in reincarnation, and funerals are important cultural events for family and community members. However, this practice is being limited by new laws put into place by Prime Minister Modi. Funerals are now being limited to 20 or fewer attendees to minimize the risk of spread. Also, the largest Indian association of priests is asking mourners to postpone travel to the northern, Ital- the northern Indian city of Hardiwar, which is a site on the Ganges River, due to the shortage of priests to perform rituals on those who attended. Moreover, the new guidelines prohibit the embalming of a corpse of a COVID-19 victim, and they also ban relatives from kissing or hugging the body to avoid any risk of transmitting the virus. Again, this rule is definitely for the better, as we don't want the virus to spread in parts of India, which have high poverty rates, and in which people don't have adequate access to healthcare services. To put that in context, in the United States, although we frequently brag about our very advanced scientific and medical capabilities, we were still very hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic. And I can only imagine how terrible it would be if uh, a country that didn't have many of the same medical and scientific facilities that we do were hit as well, and that would be really unfortunate. Another important aspect that I feel that we should talk about is the Islamophobia that has recently sparked in India. For those who haven't heard already, it was found that 1,000 people who attended a large Muslim missionary gathering could have been exposed to the coronavirus. Since then, it has sparked a nationwide manhunt to find people who attend the missionary and quarantine them. Unfortunately, this has increased racial tension in the area and Islamophobia, as exemplified by the current administration. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate that this is happening. 
In this time, we all need to be uniting with one another, but what we're seeing around the world is that people are breaking into groups rather than finding common bonds. In my mind, if we were to have any hope of defeating this virus, we need to work with one another rather than against each other and blaming each other for who caused it. I definitely agree. The only path forward in times of crisis like this is to unite and not divide further. Mm -hmm. That's a really good way of summing up all of this, Jerje. Just to recap, we frequently hear about what's happening at the front line of the coronavirus response, but it's important for us to consider the societal factors underlying it as well. Thanks for coming on today, Derje. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for having me on, Soam. And on that note, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to return for the next episode of our podcast as we take a deeper dive into the coronavirus pandemic and examine the intersection of public health and anthropology from a new perspective. Thank you, everyone.